Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. Hey guys, uh, another episode of Yolitics here where we dive into the hottest political issues facing the state of Texas, the great state of Texas, this being the unofficial podcast of the great state of Texas. And before we get going, um, this is going to be some heavy stuff here in this one, so let's let's pop the top on a uh, beer. What are you drinking? I've already done that. I already popped my top. Uh, it's a uh, Devil's Backbone from Real. How early in the morning do you start drinking, man? Uh, I didn't start drinking. I only popped the top. I like to be ready. <laughs> Is what it is. Uh, it's from Real so what, Ale. What Brewing. is Devil's Backbone? Is that IPA? What is it? It says it is a Belgian style triple. Wow. Except triple is spelled E L. So I don't that's know if the, I'm pronouncing that's that right. The, uh, triple. Yeah, the, the British spelling, triple. I think. That's, yes. Uh, yeah, I have a, uh, I have a, a Lone Star beer and I have the Rio Jade. It's ah. the uh, classic Mexican. Uh, style lager, so um, very nice. And we'll dive into this one here. And you're picking that because uh, we're talking about border issues. Even though this flood of migrants uh, that we have been seeing here in recent weeks, uh, we've been hearing that you know, of course, uh, a lot of them are coming through Mexico, but primarily they are coming from below Mexico, so, uh, Central America. So we're seeing yet uh, another big surge. And if you think that this is just one of those sort of you know, ads, ah, you know, in in somebody else's backyard, it's down there in the valley. They need to worry about that along the border. Uh, this is a thing that is impacting uh, places far and wide here in Texas. In fact, uh, we you know got word on Monday afternoon that the uh, K. Bailey Hutchison Convention Center in downtown Dallas is being readied to house as many as 3,000 of these kids who have come through the border, these unaccompanied minors, uh, 3,000 of them for up to 90 days, that according to the Associated Press. So this is going to be a huge mobilization to deal with what's happening down at the border. And you're going to see it in all parts of Texas. And Jason, a few years ago, I remember covering um, in Ellis County when they shipped hundreds of them. They bust hundreds of kids who were coming across uh, to Ellis County five or six years ago. They're going to, you know, no doubt be going to Houston, to Austin, to San Antonio as well, because this has really uh, grown into a fast crisis down there. A word that President Biden does not like to use, but this is spinning up to be something pretty serious his administration will have to face. Mm-hmm. So it's always always a challenge to find out what is really going on down at the border because Republicans talk about one thing, Democrats talk about the other. And as long as they're in office, it, it, sometimes it's challenging to get down to the nitty gritty, mm-hmm. as they like You're to say. You're so right. Uh, but we, we call on an old friend of ours we've had on our podcast over the last year. It's a guy named Ruben Villarreal. He's the former mayor of Rio Grande City. He uh, is, is a native of, of the Valley. He has been in politics for 25 years. Uh, he's not in politics now. He's the executive director of a housing authority, but Ruben always knows what's going on. 
so Ruben, Ruben, can you kind of uh, walk us through this? Uh, we're seeing it uh, happen all over again, another big wave uh, there, especially in the Rio Grande Valley. I think ABC News was reporting that uh, the capacity there is now at 363% of capacity as far as being able to hold uh, these uh, migrants who have come in, many of them children. You know, Jason, I, you know, where do you get started? 2014, I, I call this what's going on right now in the 20, year 2021, I call it uh, uh, Operation Strong Safety 2.0. Uh, the situation is, is it's grave. It's, it's serious. Um, you know, we, we see it on a daily basis at some capacity. I've always been a border guy. I've, I've kept my ear to the ground. And uh, what you see in, in, on, on reports like yours, it's very real. It's, it's critical. And I hate to say it this way, but it's not like we didn't see the storm coming. We saw the storm coming in 2014. I have photos that I can still, you know, pop up and show people where you saw children and it shocked and awed us. We were, we were beyond taken back on our heels, but this is your 2021. And unfortunately not a lot has been done from then, from then to now. Ruben, what, what's the reason for this? What's behind this new wave? Is it, is it the, the idea that, that Trump, uh, you know, his hardline approach is, is no longer going to be happening under Biden. It's going to be a, a more humane approach. Is that what's driving it? That's a very fair assessment. Uh, right now, what happens is typically the information, the way it gets fed to immigrants in Central America, because that's look, the big difference also before 2014 was that most of the immigrants were from Mexico. And we had a way of handling them. It was a very cookie cutter type of system where we would get them, process them and send them back. Very much like Title 42 right now. But when the, the immigrants changed being from Central America and they could claim asylum, it, it did change the whole, the whole landscape for immigration in so many different ways. Even in hmm. their ability to, our ability here locally through Border Patrol or whatnot to process the, the immigrants, we don't have the infrastructure. I, you know, it's almost back then I told some people in, 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 in positions of power that, we should, that Border Patrol needs a social work arm now because we're dealing with kids and and why, you know, ladies with kids and family units. And it, you know what, it gets real when you see it in person. And these kids, they're just like everybody's children that you can possibly think in a park or whatnot, but they're being ferried across a, a very dangerous boundary. And some of the stuff that instigate this are the, you know what a coyote is by now, a coyote. Mm -hmm. uh, they're feeding information right now in Central America and saying, get in, get in, get out, because things are gonna change. And, they use this as a rally cry to up their business. And, and believe you me, it, it works. And if you see the flows of people coming in, we're just getting started. This is what, what, do you, what do you mean we're just getting started? Oh, my God. Peak time for immigration like this is coming up in the, in the uh, late spring and all the summer months. You're, what you're seeing right now is just probably the, the, the first uh, act of, of a, an unfortunate play that's going to unfold itself in, in so many different ways. And here's what hap happens, Jason, or Jason, if when it changes and the summertime comes and the peak season comes for immigrants, you're going to see the coyotes and the human traffickers be uh, less humane, much less humane. It's all about numbers. It's all about money. It's all about making sure that they maximize their, their profit potential. And that person or already is an object and it even becomes less of an object when you're trying to push out the maximum amount of people mm -hmm. in a given amount of time.
So how do how does the Biden administration, how do uh, uh, members of Congress, how do they get in front of this? What what can be done? Is it too late at this point to stop the onslaught that is still coming in late spring and summer? Uh, or is there something that they can do that will be effective at this point to to stem this? You know, the answer, let me tell you what uh, the question I have gotten before is, is, is this a crisis? This is a crisis, but it's a crisis that's been around for over 30 years. Let's not let's not fool ourselves. What, what we're seeing now is just a little bit of a different version of something we've seen before. Uh, what can the government do right now, honestly, is think of or come up with a plan to process immigrants in a much more expedient manner. And believe you me, now they're kids. Again, it, it, it bothers me because my background is government that they don't have infrastructure. They don't have social workers. They don't have they're living in 10 facilities. They didn't prepare. I mean, 2014 was very much like this. It wasn't that different. So if you knew that you're going to have children and family units and ladies and why did the government not do anything? I'm not sure. But at this point, what do you do is you work double time. You bring in waves of social workers because that's what you need. You don't need law enforcement badges, you need a lot of social workers to be out here in the front lines alongside Border Patrol to be able to process these children because they're children and they need a lot of care. And what the Coyotes, again, what they do is, you know, they basically tell the people back there, you know, get in on this. If you send your child and you send him by yourself, he will be taken care of. It's okay if they have family members here that they can find, but what happens if they can't find the family members? You know, you know, politically speaking, Ruben, Jason just asked, uh, you know, how do you get in front of it? The question I have is, will they get in front of it? They better. Because if, let me see what happens if you don't handle a crisis. Again, a, the repetition of a crisis, if you don't handle it, lots of people die and lots of lives are affected. And I mean, the immigrants, they will pay a very, very heavy toll. So the Biden administration, let me tell you the first thing to do. Talk to the people on the ground. I'm saying like people like me, but talk to the congressman Cuellos of this world. You know, talk to the local mayors, talk to the lo- local law enforcement uh, officials. When I say we've seen it all, we've seen it all. You you name a circumstance in an instant, but nobody, but no, as far as I can tell, I saw uh, Congressman Cuellos speak on, on this issue and, you know, they visited here and they didn't touch base with them. They need to touch base with the authorities down here, because if somebody's going to give you solutions that work, it's going to be the people that see it on a daily basis and have worked with this before. Like myself, you know, again, have I have I seen this before? Yes. Is it unfortunate? What will happen? Otherwise, if if you don't, this crisis will be exponentially uh, multiplied at least five to ten times, unfortunately. Ruben, as an, an elected leader there in the Rio Grande Valley, you, you know, you're a Republican. You dealt with this many times uh, over the years. Uh, you waded into it. A lot of people would advise you not to do that. Um, we know that there's going to be some high profile visits uh, this week uh, from Republicans, from the Senate, from the House. Uh, we know that uh, Governor Abbott has made this a, a big priority. There's already a lot of talk about this becoming a big wedge issue in the 2022 elections. Uh, and so there is certainly some politics in there. But is there also a danger uh, if, if you're going to come down and have news conferences and so forth? Is it good enough to do that? Or are you going to have to take that extra step to stay? to say, here's what we're proposing. Here's what we want to do to fix this comprehensively. You know what, Jason? A plan. You know, they come, if they're going to, you know, parachute in and then fly out, which is what often happens, 
uh, I appreciate if, if you're Republican, you're Democrat, or somewhere in between, that you have some sort of plan. And let's talk about it now. One, one word, one concept, one phrase that needs to be talked about is comprehensive immigration reform. You're going to grab the whole thing and look at it as one great big problem, which it is, and start dealing with it. But everybody avoids it like a puddle. Just go around it. Go around it. I mean, I used to call this, you know, duct tape immigration policy. Because if you worked it with duct tape, it's good for a little while, then it busts and you put another piece on and let's see how long this piece lasts. So unfortunately, we're not working with band-aids, we're working with duct tape. But the what matters most is that you have human lives. And now the human lives are the most fragile in our society. And as far as it becoming one of these things of, of, of uh, a poor... Uh, a situation where we're going to we're going to have we're going to have walkthroughs, flyovers. We're going to have uh, uh, roundtable discussions, and all those will be good and well if somebody just walked in with a plan, just a good, wholesome, solid plan that might be based on some facts because we have the information. We certainly do. Well, I've covered Ruben in twenty years. I've covered the roundtable discussions, the flyovers, the congressional visits. It's it's just. From both parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, nothing, nothing happens. They, they go for the photo op and nothing happens. And, and I get that comp- comprehensive immigration reform is, 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 you know, super difficult to pass. But just before we, uh, when, when I logged on the call here too, j- just before we started recording, unfortunately, I want you to repeat this, but, but you mentioned that um, w- when you were mayor of Rio Grande City uh, there in the Valley, that it was kind of frowned upon for you to even kind of wade into all this. It was very frowned upon. It was very discouraged. I, I had phone calls from my colleagues uh, around my region discouraging me to, to work actively with the life. What, what did they say to you? Uh, this whole thing is making us look bad. You know, there's the, the optics are, are bad for our region. Uh, you'd be probably best advised to not work with these with these people and try to give them. Or uh, there were law enforcement agencies basically that they didn't like the law enforcement presence because they felt that it would it would frown it would make people frown upon our region and make it a a circumstance where this kind of shadow would carry over into the years and the decades. So they were very concerned, but they didn't come for where I came from. And at that point, Jason, I don't tell you what. I was living in a community and I was the mayor of a community that was being overrun by immigrants in my downtown. Let me tell you something different about the, the Central American immigrants. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, they're more brazen, they're more bold, they're more reckless, they're more determined than any Mexican immigrant that I ever saw. Because let me give a perfect example. They would, when I was mayor, they would go into our, our stores and try to hide. They would go under cars, they would go into private property, they would go into garages. I want to tell you what, there was a, a code of, of, of immigration uh, uh, behaviors that was familiar with the Mexican immigrant and the Central American immigrant that came uh, undocumented didn't have those. Was that desperation? Yeah, why, is that? why would they do that? Like they're, they're determined not to be sent back. They're determined not to be caught. The Mexican immigrant would pretty much give himself up and say, OK, they, you know, I got caught and go through a process. But the Central Americans that when I saw them and believe you me, I, people say, well, how do you know? I would talk to them. I mean, they, they were there in my downtown. I, one time we had a news crew come in from some foreign country, can't remember where it was, and they wanted to me for me to point them in the right direction to go get some good pictures of immigrants. I sent them to a, to a street corner in my downtown. I said, sit at that bench and wait till about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night and you get what you need. And they thought, they thought I was wow. joking. And guess what happened? Next day I see them. And they tell me, hey, it worked. Wow. We're going to see 
is right next to the border. We're right next. We're not like you know detached at all. I used to go to my to the to my, the parking lot of City Hall, where it used to be in downtown, and I would be approached by immigrants, you know, probably two, three, four times a week. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them saying some, and sometimes I had my 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 mayor shirt that said mayor and all that good stuff. They thought I was a police officer and they wanted to surrender to me. So I, I would tell them, no, 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 let me get you somebody. Because, <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it's wow. tricky, but that's that's kind of, and keep, look, look, Jason, this is America and this is our country and this is our border. And we're we're very much uh, tied together through through Dallas or whether it's New York or Los Angeles. The, the U.S.-Mexico border down here belongs to us all. So what we experience is, is collectively experienced by the entire country. There is a, a great preoccupation, of course, uh, as there should be right now with defeating the, the COVID virus uh, here in the United States. But it seems like uh, this issue is moving very much to the front burner right now, Ruben. And as you say, this is only possibly going to get a whole lot worse. You know, we're seeing or, or hearing these, uh, you know, cases of kids who are in detention facilities that were meant for adult men that were never intended for a child. Uh, and in many cases, they are ending up being in there longer than than the rules allow. We saw this several years ago, and boy, did it create an uproar, and uh, now we're going through it all over again. Do you get the sense, being down there on the ground, uh, that this is finally starting to get traction with people who realize that that is a really bad look and it's going to have to be fixed? Is the, Do you think that the, this has the attention of the administration right now, for instance? Nope. I don't think it does. I don't think that they have a grasp on it. Now, here's the thing, the interesting thing that uh, uh, President Biden was vice president of Biden under the Obama administration. And if you go back and you use your chronological clock, 2014, Obama was president. So I, I don't see any sense of urgency. If if there was, you would see them reaching out to the stakeholders here, the county judges, the mayors, the congressmen that are along the border trying to find solutions. Let me tell you something. What would go a very long way is to, I, and I'm going to say it the way it, this is less of a border patrol issue, meaning, you know, get a bunch of law enforcement badges. We need social workers. And let me tell you something, all you gotta be out there and see one group of families and see a, a kid, you know, a couple of children or an older brother holding a, a little sister and then the mother right next to them. This is about, you know, they need social workers. <laughs> they need people out there that are trained to handle uh, families and, and, their, and their needs. And this situation is something very, very key. It goes back to what I mentioned before. Before 2014, the infrastructure and every element that was created had to do with that young man from, or not so young man, between 16 and as old as 50, coming here for a job. And it was very, very uh, uh, male-oriented. In fact, I didn't see my first female immigrant in that circumstance till, I can remember, I was 2014, and what funny you mentioned about those roundtables, we had a roundtable discussion, I think with Jay Johnson, I hope I got that name right, Jay mm-hmm. Johnson. And we were in the McAllen station and after it was over, they said, hey, do you all want to tour a tour of the facility? Before touring that facility was cool because it became very cool at one point where everybody wanted to go to the McAllen station. And I said, and three of us said yes. And the rest of about 20 said no, but I was just curious, let me see what it's about. So they take us through, through this area and then there's these glass windows, like whatever you call it. And I looked inside and the first time in my life, I saw women and children and looked at the border patrol agent because, you know, when we come from the same region, I said, what is going on? And he says, mayor, that's what we're seeing right now. Hmm. Wow. Blew me away. Obviously, the the human side of this mayor is is tragic and that needs to be addressed first. 
Uh, politically, though, since we talk politics uh, a lot here, too, it seems like that this could be a, a real opening for Republicans to run on in 2022 in the midterms. I mean, they're looking for something to grab onto to, to campaign with next year. And this is shaping up to be one of those issues, it looks like. Well, you know what? I do come from politics. I've been in it 25 years of my life. And I'm going to tell you what, it's a perfect opportunity for Democrats to share to show their mettle in a very difficult, decisive uh, issue, which immigration is. In the same way that Republicans can use it to leverage, Democrats have an opportunity. Let me tell you something. You build, you build your, your, your coat of armor as a public servant, not when times are good, when times are bad. And right now, it, it, it's one of those times where if the Biden administration wants to show their, their coat of armor for this community, for these communities in this country, now is the time to show what they can do and they can't do. And right now, they're not doing very well. If I can say, if I was giving them a, a grade right now, I'd give them maybe a, a D plus for effort, but they're not doing the right things to put the, the necessary resources on the ground to take care of this issue. Interesting that we talked about how this is a political opportunity for Republicans, perhaps, and as you just mentioned there, for Democrats as well. I'll say something really crazy. It's also an opportunity for rare bipartisanship to actually come together instead of thinking about the next election and the one after that and actually solve something that we just keep having a problem with over and over and over again. You know, I want to tell you something. Yes, I, I, I'm Republican, but look, once upon a time, John F. Kennedy probably sounded Republican, and once upon a time, Ronald Reagan was probably the quintessential Republican, and now the world has turned into this crazy flux. This past weekend, I two people who I respect in government, uh, Senator John Cornyn and Henry Cuellar, were down on the border, mm -hmm. and they were talking issues bipartisan. I've, I've sat in those meetings. I just wish that the Biden administration would get at least 10% of that discussion and infuse it into their policy and they would find solutions there because both those men know exactly or those public servants know the tools and know what needs to be done at this point to put a handle on it. It's doable. Yes, immigration is difficult. Look, if you go back and look at the trends in immigration over 10 years, it's just gone up, 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 up. This is a part of our society. We have Lady Liberty and, you know, telling everybody, give us your, your weak, give us your, your troubled. That's who we are. We're a nation of immigrants, but this this uh, this, uh, this association that sometimes happens it's bothersome. But the answers are there, gentlemen. It's within our structure of our elected leaders who know what the difficult decisions need to be made. Again, bipartisan, whether Republican or Democrat, step up to the plate and make the right choices. They know what they know what the right choices are. I, I promise you. And then we'll see this crisis de-escalate and who knows maybe the summertime will come and we'll see uh the opposite we're seeing right now reuben you're always a wealth of knowledge man i always appreciate you taking our call i i always appreciate giving the insight you know what dallas texas or the Rio Grande valley we're all connected one great big melting pot and any any anytime i can be of service you all let me know Jason, you know what's fascinating about this? I've, I've always wondered, what is the crux? How is word getting to so many of these families and these teenagers and these kids to finally make that journey north? It's, right. it's a nonstop flow. And there's money. There's money being there's made. There's money. And yeah, and, and what Ruben said really, you know, kind of struck me. It, it's these coyotes who are in the business of taking people north and sneaking them across the border for four, five, six thousand dollars a head. Right. 
These guys are down there in Guatemala and El Salvador and Honduras saying, hey, if you're going to go, now's the time to go. Mm -hmm. Something we've heard a million times because the laws will be changing. Yeah. You know, what strikes me here is that we, you know, we get embroiled in in our debates here in the states about, you know, immigration policy. And, you know, you can say, well, you know, it's Biden's policies that did this. People said that Trump's policies were terrible uh, as well on the border. So we always have this argument back and forth. What these coyotes do is they take what's going on in the United States, they distort it and 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 sort of put their own filter on it and take it down and sell it to people and say, hey, you know, Trump is in office and so you better hurry and get in before blah, blah, blah. Or Biden's in office, you better hurry because the laws are going to be changing. What they're doing is they're finding a way to make money off of people who are very desperate in their current living conditions. So it doesn't matter who the president is, it doesn't matter who the party in charge is, uh, there's always this middleman who's making a lot of money and that is what drives this and there's always desperation uh there's people who are looking for a better life and you know who among us you know might not do the same thing especially if we didn't have good information to go on the fact of the matter is though is it's leading to a huge log jam at the border uh and so uh we wanted to get another fella on the line here who is always plugged into what's going on not only along the border but also especially in dc and and what the response is like and and how things are going so we got domingo garcia he is the national president of lulac uh we got him on the line here uh just to kind of give some perspective and give his thoughts on what we're seeing down at the border. Tell me what LULAC is doing down there on the border, because this this is a fluid situation. Well, we're helping all these children, uh, primarily children, uh, some families and mothers with kids, uh, with the humanitarian efforts to get them food, uh, get them shelter, and then get them support to get to their loved ones once they've uh, been uh, uh, recorded and taken care of by uh, Customs and Border Patrol. Um, what do you can you kind of give us an overview of the whole situation down there and what your takeaway is at this point? Uh, there are uh, there has been an increase in the number of children that are turning themselves in. Uh, contrary to what Governor Abbott's saying with Operation Lone Star, you don't need National Guard troops or bayonets. These kids are literally walking across a bridge, turning themselves in and applying for asylum. Unfortunately, uh, some of these centers have been basically uh, can't handle the number of children that are there right now. And therefore, they're being shipped to El Paso and other places to spread them out. Now, I want to ask about something that the New York Times reported the other day. It's, it's, it seems to be common knowledge on the border, but it's, uh, the Times reported that more than 1,300 children detained at the border, and they were jailed longer than the maximum 72 hours permitted by law, despite being referred to placement shelters by Homeland Security. And 169 of those kids were under the age of 13. Let's talk politics for a moment here, Domingo. When, when this happened... Uh, under President Trump, there was outrage. These kids were jailed uh, in, in cages. And I, I'm just not hearing it this time. Why not? Actually, we are. I mean, uh, 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 Congresswoman Alejandro Ocasio-Cortez, as well as we, said these children have to be processed, uh, given their hearing, and if they're eligible, uh, given a place to stay, and if not, return to their countries of origin. Same thing with the adults. Most of the adults, by the way, 99% of adults are being returned to Mexico or the country of origin. They're not being allowed to stay in the U.S. So that's a false narrative that's being given out uh, by some of the Republicans in, this, in, in, the, in Texas and in nationally. But but if if there are kids who are you know still detained for longer than they're supposed to be, I mean we we heard you know that this was one of the the whole campaign you know points in, in twenty twenty, um, you know get kids out of cages. But here Biden is kind of stuck doing the same thing. It seems like. 
it's wrong. Uh, either whether it's uh, Democrats or Republicans, it's wrong to keep kids in cages, in jails, in detention centers. I've personally seen them uh, in prison buses with barbs. You know, I'm talking about three or four year olds. Uh, these kids need to be put into foster homes, foster care, and then be reunited with family members and taken care of. They're not criminals, they're refugees. So uh, what is the solution going to be here, though, do you think, Domingo? Because we're seeing uh, staggering numbers of kids who are already there. Uh, that increased by 25% in the span of just one week recently, and, and the kids haven't stopped coming. So there's a steady stream here. What's going to be the solution the to deal with this? The cheapest and the most humane solution is to invest in those countries where they're coming from, to turn off the faucet where the refugees are coming out, which is uh, down in Central America. Most of these are Guatemalan, El Salvador, Honduras. Uh, we need to provide a this is directly to the people, nonprofits and religious groups, not to corrupt governments, and therefore providing uh, economic and uh, security for these children so they don't have to come across uh, a very dangerous, by the way, path through Mexico to the border, which is controlled by cartels and human smugglers, uh, and be able to give a, a place where they no longer need to come to the United States. I want to ask you about President Biden refusing to call this a crisis. I mean, call it what you what you want to, and I, I could debate that either way. But but it, I, I'm seeing and hearing Republicans saying this could be an opening for them in 2022 to really, uh, you know, have something they can run on against the Democrats. It gives Republicans something to run on. Do, do you think that might be the case if if Biden doesn't get a handle on this soon? I agree. I mean, uh, Biden needs to listen to the congressman from that area, Congressman Vela and uh, uh, Congressman Cuellar from Laredo. They've been telling them that this is an issue. They almost lost several of those seats in 2020 because of considerations of open borders or abolishing ICE. Those are not real. Those are not real solutions. Real solutions is you got to provide stability for those countries where the immigrants come from, and then you got to provide a humane legal way for people to come into this country. And if you can do that, that can be taken care of. But if Biden chooses to ignore it, it could be dangerous political piñata that can be played in 2022 by uh, Republicans running for Congress and statewide office. Yeah, we've already seen Governor Abbott coming out very strongly against the Biden administration and very loudly as well. Now we're also seeing uh, congressional delegations from the House and the Senate headed down uh, to the border. So obviously there is some political hay to be made here as far as Republicans are concerned. Uh, they do see that opening, I think, that Jason is talking about there, and, and they plan to capitalize. Yes, on I know that, that uh, Congressman McCarthy, the Republican minority leader, is taking a delegation down to South Texas. I've been in contact with almost all the congressmen who uh, represent the border, Congressman Bella Gonzalez and Cuellar Escobar, and said, we need to come up with a positive solution so that it does not become a political piñata used by Republicans in 2022 that maybe stops the re immigration reform that's happening now, uh, next week, actually, in Congress, uh, uh, and it becomes a political football in 2022 that creates more division and, uh, and frankly, panders to the, the hate mongers uh, in, our, in our voting base. And on Sunday's Inside Texas Politics, Domingo, we had Congressman Cuellar on, and he said he had reached out to the Biden administration uh, to Homeland Security, and he never got a call back. Now, I, I get that we're, what, 50, 55 days into the Biden administration, and, and there are still posts being filled, but you would think with something spinning up like this so fast and a member of Congress calling that you'd at least return the call. 
I would agree. Again, I think it's very important that uh, not only President Biden, but the new Homeland Security uh, Secretary reach out to those congresspersons that are right there that are seeing what's happening and organizations like LULAC and listen to us that, you look, we're not for open borders. We're not for abolishing ICE. We want reform the immigration system. We want to provide legal pathways. And then those immigrants that don't qualify, they need to be returned to their country of origin. But then we got to fix the problem by helping those countries provide jobs and security for them as opposed to having them flee to the border right now. And, and make that dangerous journey and then be the victims of cartels and, uh, and, and human smugglers. We've seen these crises erupt uh, at the border uh, in, in years past, several times, in fact, Domingo. Uh, did the U.S. get caught flat-footed here again yeah. this time, even though we've seen waves and waves? Yes, I mean, the, the, look, building a wall is not going to stop. These people are literally turning themselves in at legal border crossing points. So that was all just kind of a... Uh, a BS argument to begin with as a way to score political points. The reality is you got climate change, you got hurricanes that have devastated much of the economies of Central America. These people are desperate. Uh, just like if you uh, were trying to figure out how to take your family, like uh, Ted Cruz going to Cancun during the freeze here in Texas, you know, he was just trying to take care of his family, go to a warmer spot, safer spot. Same thing with these people, except they're coming over here. And we got to find a solution for that problem. And uh, it's a long-term solution. Nothing can be done short-term except providing a humane legal way for these people to come in and then returning those that don't qualify to their countries of origin. Well, but you know there are going to be people who go, well, we're not going to send millions and millions of dollars of aid to some Latin American countries right now. We need to do things to fix problems in this country. What do you say to that those it's, people? We're spending millions and millions of dollars, billions of dollars uh, on the border right now, whether that was on walls, security infrastructure, hiring more border patrol agents, housing these children and families and detention centers all over South Texas and the border region all the way to California. That costs billions of dollars, too. So it's, we got to find what makes economic sense and also what's more humane in dealing with these refugees. Domingo, you mentioned reform. Democrats are in charge of the House. They're in charge of the Senate. They're in charge of the White House. Are we finally going to see this once-in-a-generation immigration reform finally happen before the 2022 midterms? Well, Lulak is pushing for the end of the filibuster in the Senate. We can pass the House. It's going to pass next week. Uh, it's getting past the Senate. And you need 10 Republicans. We've reached out to Senator Cornyn. We've reached out to Senator Romney and, and Rubio. They haven't come on board yet. And these are the moderate Republicans. So if they don't come on board, I think it's important that the Democrats strongly consider getting rid of the filibuster and passing the bill now and getting out the political plate for 2022 and 2024 when we have uh, national elections. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, this will be a festering political problem. There will be no solution, and the problems will just be kicked down the road. And it's going to be a human tragedy on on innumerable scale that you're seeing with these children and these families right now and these jails and these detention centers. We have seen bipartisanship with these sorts of reform bills uh, in in the past, Domingo. Of course, they didn't make it across the finish line, but there was bipartisanship. Uh, have things changed, do you think, of, uh, between them they have. and now? Unfortunately, you know, George Bush was for immigration reform. Ronald Reagan passed it. Ronald Reagan and George W. Bush wouldn't stand a chance in today's Republican Party because the hardliners in immigration have basically taken it over. Uh, and Trump basically, it might be in a disservice to the Republican Party. A lot of Hispanics are naturally conservative on social issues, whether it's abortion, gun rights, uh, you know, the security. And they're pushing those voters away uh, by this strong anti-immigrant, anti-Latino positions that are being taken up by several members of the Republican Party on the far right. Even Governor Abbott, uh, who used to preach moderation on immigration, has now taken sort of this far right-wing Trump approach. And Domingo, as national president of LULAC, you, you have to have some type of inside track about what's happening in D.C. When, when do you think we'll actually see 
an immigration reform package uh, floated. Will it be this year? It'll be next week. Uh, we expect that uh, immigration reform on uh, DREAMers, uh, TPS, temporary status for Central Americans, and what's called the Farm Worker uh, Assistance uh, Act, which allows farm workers to be legalized on essential workers. Right. I think those will pass uh, both the Congress and the Senate and be signed by Biden, but it won't be comprehensive immigration reform unless we do away with the filibuster. That's the way it looks now. Domingo Garcia, uh, thanks for uh, for doing this with us today. This is, as uh, we were talking about earlier, a fluid situation, so we may still have to have you back. Uh, I mean, this is changing a lot week by week yeah. even. Well, let me know. I mean, I'm, I'm in contact with, uh, literally, with all the congressmen on a group chat from Congress of Bella all the way down to California. So both of our guests, Ruben Villarreal and uh, Domingo Garcia, both mentioned another man, a congressman, Henry Cuellar. He's a former state rep. He's a former secretary of state for the state of Texas. He's now in Congress representing the Rio Grande Valley. His district runs from San Antonio down to Laredo and uh, down to McAllen as well, too. So we called him the other day for our other program, Inside Texas Politics. And, and one of the things that, that I, was, I learned in the research about him before I, I got him on the line was that he has reached out to different people, to the Biden administration, not to the president himself, but to the Biden administration. He's reached out to Homeland Security saying, hey, I'm on the ground here. I know what's going on. I've been around for a while. Make sure you take us seriously. So I asked him, what did they say when they called you back? Why are they listening to people who know the border? I have no idea. You know, look, it's um, it's something that they uh, were down there in the valley uh, just this last weekend and they didn't contact Congressman Bella, Congressman Gonzalez or myself, which is uh, very interesting. We're Look, uh, we don't just go to the border and spend a few hours and think that we know the border. Uh, better than somebody who has a lifetime uh, of experience. And we want to make sure all we want and, uh, is to have border communities be taken in consideration. They, uh, they need to listen to the border mayors. They need to listen to the NGOs. The people that are at the border should be listened to from uh, mayors, NGOs, border patrol agents that are doing this job every day. Those are the folks they ought to be listening to. Jason, mm. no one is taking his call. Keep in mind, he is a Democrat. Mm. He represents a Democratic area of a state that Democrats want to do better in, and he can't get through to anybody. It's remarkable to me. Interesting trend, too. You know, we just heard from Ruben Villarreal earlier there down in the Rio Grande Valley. He's a Republican on the other side of things. He is saying the exact same thing that Representative Cuellar is saying, and that is, Tap the minds of the people who live here. Tap the minds of the people who have dealt with this wave after wave after wave. We see it. We're in it every day. We can't avoid it every day because we're down here and we understand all of the issues comprehensively. And no one's tapping those minds. They're not going after that knowledge base. Uh, but you do see, as uh, Ruben was talking about earlier, people who sort of parachute in, be it from either party, parachute in, have their news conference, get their FaceTime, associate themselves with the issue for whatever they stand for, and then they're out of there. So then the problem is still left behind. It is left behind. So if no one's taking a call in a Democratic administration from a Democratic member of Congress mm. from the area directly impacted by this. There's another obvious question we had for him. Is President Biden taking this seriously enough, in your opinion? 
You know, uh, President Biden gets it, uh, but he's got other folks that work under him. And we've been offering our help uh, to these folks. Uh, some of us, we saw this in 2014 uh, under President Obama. We saw this in 2019 under President Trump. So this is nothing new, except the only thing different, as you know, is the pandemic. Uh, so we have offered our, ourselves to help them. There's a lot of members, there's a lot of communities that are ready to help them. Uh, but they got to be able to take the assistance. Uh, I do sit as the vice chair of Homeland Appropriations. So I know the um, some of those folks were not there uh, or down there and didn't contact us. But I promise you, I'll have an opportunity to ask them some uh, tough questions at the appropriate times when they come in before us. Hmm. Yeah, you, you know, Congressman Cuellar likely will be asking, why, why didn't you call me back? Right. I called you and left a message. You know, both sides are saying, Jason, especially in, even in this podcast, but but everywhere, both sides are saying right now, at least, the Biden administration really doesn't have a sense of urgency mm-hmm. on this. And that, as you know, is is creating an opening for Republicans. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because this is getting played out all over again. There was, you know, there were complaints, you know, several years ago that there wasn't enough urgency uh, during the Trump administration and complaints about the kids being locked up. And now we're seeing it happen again. And I mean, you know, when you hear the word crisis, this is a crisis. I mean, at last count here, just before we came on, it was 4,276 kids in custody uh, right now being held in detention, you know, centers. Uh, another 8,800 unaccompanied migrants are with Health and Human Services. I mean, so this is, you start talking about these numbers, these are extraordinary numbers here. And as Ruben was warning us earlier, this may be the tip of the iceberg. This may be just the beginning of what we could see play out in the weeks and months ahead. So, you know, somebody's going to have to get this done, and it's probably going to take some some courage uh, from both sides of the aisle here, Republicans and Democrats working together, uh, instead of thinking about maybe that next election so much and actually solving a problem that is uh, possibly just going to get worse. Uh, that would be nice if, if if that were the case. Hopefully it will be the case. But yeah, like Ruben said, like Congressman Cuellar told us separately, the, the peak season for people to make that journey north is uh, April, May, and June. So we're, we're just now really starting that off halfway through halfway through March here as people try to, you know, you know, make the journey up here for work, for a better life. It's only just beginning, it I'm, seems like. I'm really interested, too, to see what all of this does to this whole uh, notion of immigration overhaul in D.C. They're, you know, taking up those thorny issues uh, in, the, you know, this week, next week, that time frame. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out with what is going on down there on our southern border. Does it help? Does it hurt? Uh, you know, does it have no effect? It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays into that. Yeah, and those are just, you know, smaller pieces of the greater puzzle, which is comprehensive immigration reform. Right. And once again, Democrats have a window. If they're going to do anything big and bold, this is the time when they control the House and the Senate and the White House. Of course, as Domingo said, they'd have to get rid of the filibuster in order to get anything passed uh, in the Senate. But but now's the time, uh, and we'll see when and if they're able to get anything done on that. Stay tuned. Uh, in the meantime, you may be seeing some of these kids uh, transported to a city near you uh, here in Texas as uh, the, the federal government struggles to figure out to what to do with all of these kids. Because, uh, you know, as we were hearing earlier, there is not a system in place. There is not infrastructure in place to deal with something like this. Yeah, they'll be coming to Texas cities. Uh, it, it's shaping up to be a, 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 a nice week for us after uh, what was just one month ago, just brutal. <laughs> 
for this state. So if if you're out and about, I, I hope you uh, you're able to spend time with family. Uh, if you haven't lined up for the vaccine, please do so. Jason, have you gotten yours yet? Not yet. Still waiting. Well, you're you're much younger than I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so you, you probably don't qualify yet. I'm glad that you noted that. Yeah. Uh, how long have you been growing that beard, though? Uh, this beard has been growing for I think four or five days now. This is as good as it gets after five days. See, it's very Jason Statham, very like the transporter look. It's like, you know, you need to wear a tuxedo and drive an Audi Q4 or an A4. Yeah, because if you don't, you just look unshowered. (laughs) I think that's what it is. It can go either way real fast. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, Hey, I'm going to finish this beer here. Thank you guys so much for uh, for joining us. We always appreciate it. Um, And just quick reminder as well. We should have done this early on. But we have a survey in the link, uh, a survey link rather, in the description of this podcast. And, and we'd love to know just a little bit more about you, how you found us, why you like us, uh, whether Jason should keep growing his beard out or not. We should have uh, asked what that. What do you think about that? We should have we, asked we should, that. We should have put that as a question on there. Although even if we got a lot of responses, it doesn't really help the growth rate. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, guys, for listening. And take the survey if you can. We'll see you all next week.